SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hour number three of the morning after right here on SportsGrid. On this Wednesday in Sirius XM Channel 159, the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM and all across the SportsGrid Network. I am Ben Stevens. Yes, a Wednesday during that weird holiday week between Christmas and New Year's. It feels like it's festive. It feels like it's a holiday. It feels like a party and it is right now in our third and final hour, a very happy hour here on TMA. In this third hour, we'll continue to look forward to NFL week number 17, the second to last regular season week in this NFL season. And with so much at stake in the playoff pictures in both conferences, how to find the edges and how that all shakes out. Brady Tinker will join us next, the host of a Cowboy Life podcast for a Dallas discussion about the Cowboys in a huge marquee matchup against the Arizona Cardinals this weekend at the Star. Maybe some Dallas Mavericks talk as well. Then Pete Jensen from NHL.com joins us for a little look around the National Hockey League. And we end out this third and final very happy hour with some more college football handicapping with our man DMB Drew Martin Betts. But in this opening portion of our third and final very happy hour... It is our West Coast Wake Up. We welcome in our West Coast audience a shout-out to Spectrum Sportsnet LA for all you viewers watching out there on the West Coast, my hometown in Los Angeles, all three hours of the morning after, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific time on the home of the Dodgers, Spectrum Sportsnet Los Angeles. So let's look at some of the NFL games this weekend that pertain to the teams playing out on the West Coast. And let's start with a huge divisional game in the AFC West for the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, the Chargers two weeks ago... Entering that Thursday night football game against the Kansas City Chiefs were minus 500 to make the postseason. Minus 500. Very heavy favorites to at least have a postseason berth. They lost that game to Kansas City. They could have taken a pretty substantial lead in the AFC West as well. But still, minus 270 last weekend on the road is a 12.5 point favorite against the Houston Texans. Obviously, they're going to at least win that game even if they don't cover, right? Uh-uh. Houston wins that game outright as a 12.5-point underdog, 41-29 to over L.A. So now the Chargers need a bolt, haha, bolt of energy entering this AFC West test against the Denver Broncos at home on Sunday inside SoFi Stadium. And when you look at this line right now, the Chargers a 5.5-point favorite. The over-under sits at 45-and-a-half. Now, Los Angeles this year has been pretty porous as a favorite, to be pretty blunt. Just three and six against the spread as a favorite this year, not covering by an average margin of 5.2 points per game. Of course, we mentioned last week a 12.5 point favorite on the road against Houston, lost that game outright. In fact, LA has only covered three times in their last 12 games, and one of those three covers as a slight pick 'em favorite against the Philadelphia Eagles. However, LA has gone over in four straight games we'll break that down here in just a moment as it pertains to this over under of 45 and a hook now Denver has lost two straight games the Broncos still were in the running for an AFC wildcard spot even if it felt like a lengthy task for Denver to accomplish but they lost two straight games all but eliminating them from playoff contention not technically out just yet but all but eliminated thanks to two straight losses to the Bengals and the Raiders so 
Now, as you look at this game, again, five and a half points in the Chargers' favor, a divisional showdown. But first, we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here, the third and final very happy hour of the morning after on this Wednesday, Sirius XM, Channel 159, the mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. This is our West Coast Wake Up, and I am Ben Stevens. The Chargers out in Los Angeles this Sunday afternoon, hosting the Denver Broncos as a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, the kind of interesting thing about Denver this year, for a team that's on the outside of the playoff picture looking in, most likely will not make the postseason. They've only been an underdog four times this year. They are 2-2 two and two against the spread as an underdog, but they have won outright in their two covers as a dog, including the first meeting against Los Angeles earlier this season, winning that game 28-13. Their other game winning as an underdog, also by more than two touchdowns, or at least two touchdowns against the Dallas Cowboys on the road a couple of weeks back as well. So the Charger, or the Broncos win winning as an underdog. When covering as an underdog, they might just win outright. Now, the total 45 and a half. LA, like we mentioned, has gone over in four straight games. A team that, through a good majority of this year, had most of their totals booked in the 50s. Denver, meanwhile, on the complete opposite end of that coin, the highest under percentage in the NFL. 80% of the Broncos games hitting the under 12 of the 15 so far and under in eight of the last nine. So that's how that game shakes out on the field and from a trend perspective between the Chargers and the Broncos. But then look at the AFC championship odds because there's not make playoff odds up right now for the teams in contention in either conference. But when you look at the AFC championship odds, you can get a little bit of a sense based on how things stack up right there who is more than likely to make the postseason and what that number might look like to see if they are a true contender. So as you dive down this board, the Chargers are tied for the seventh best odds right now with the Baltimore Ravens at 26 to 1. The seventh best odds correlated to the playoff picture. That would be the seventh and final spot in the AFC postseason, the last wildcard spot available. The Chargers and the Ravens battling it out for that right now. LA currently the number eight seed in the AFC on the outside looking in. Baltimore right now holds, or excuse me, the Miami Dolphins based on the win on Monday night, currently the seventh seed. Anyway, we'll figure out the playoff picture. We'll also look at the playoff picture in the NFC with one of the best in that conference, the Dallas Cowboys. That's up next here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Right back here on the morning after on a Wednesday on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the Sports Grid Network. I'm Ben Stevens. Very pleased to welcome back onto the show. It is Brady Tinker, the host of a Cowboy Life podcast covering the Dallas Cowboys in all of the sports landscape in that Dallas Fort Worth area with the absolute best. Brady, thank you for joining us once again on this Wednesday on TMA. Good morning, Ben. Happy holidays to you. Uh, things are great here in Dallas because when the Cowboys are trending up, the city is trending up. And Dallas certainly trending up thanks to a 56-14 to 14 shellacking of Washington on Sunday night in primetime, easily clinching another NFC East 
divisional crown. But Brady, this weekend in Dallas, one of the best matchups of the entire Week 17 slate. The Arizona Cardinals on a three-game losing skid come to town as a five-and-a-half-point underdog right now against the Dallas Cowboys. What do you make of this huge matchup in Week number 17? You know, I'm trending closer and closer to letting everybody telling everybody to let the Cowboys take uh, to take the points or to give the points. Excuse me. Um, the the deeper I'm diving into this, the more I talk to people from Arizona. You, you've got players in the locker room saying leaders got to lead. You got Zach Ertz saying, "Hey, momentum in the NFL is a real thing, and it's positive or negative." Uh, the head coach has a history, and everybody knows it, including his players, of folding at the end. And when things go bad or you go through slumps, the Cowboys had Mike McCarthy and 20 years to lean on and nobody panicked. I think there's a sense of panic here with Arizona. And there are some people casting an eye at the quarterback who's very talented, but a couple of local writers in Arizona have called him out and said, basically, he's just a, a stat hound. He doesn't care about anything else. I, I don't think that's true. He grew up here in Dallas. We all thought that he was a fine young man, but it is not the easiest thing at his age to go to a town and, and take over that town and be responsible or feel like you're responsible for everything the team does. The good thing for the cards, in my opinion, at least based on a trend perspective, they have been great on the road this year, seven and one straight up, seven and one against the spread, but that one, a pretty glaring one, losing outright as a 12 and a half point favorite against the Detroit Lions two weekends ago, but they've also been very good as an underdog. In fact, perfect. 5-0 ATS, winning outright in all five of those covers. So, Brady, if Dallas is to cover this weekend as a five-and-a-half-point favorite, and we know the struggles for Arizona offensively, what do you think Dallas will have to, have to capitalize on? Well, Arizona's defense is, is not bad uh, at all. They've been very good against the pass, but they have, it looks like, two cornerbacks out. They had signed Brashad Breland literally a couple of days ago as a contingency plan, and then he gets COVID. So one of their better units is the secondary, and now they are very injured. Uh, they're ninth in the NFL in sacks, so maybe they'll put some pressure on Dak. But the big takeaway from last week's game against Washington was the Cowboys got back to a point where they felt like they could do something that they did early in the season. That was play fast. They are going no huddle uh, quite a bit. They kept the pressure on Washington. Apparently, a couple of Washington uh, Washington's defensive lineman said to Dak Prescott at one point, dude, you guys got to slow this down. Uh, it was too much for them. The Cowboys actually got 55 plays in the first half last week. Contrast that with the fact that the Seattle Seahawks averaged 52 plays a game on offense. So this is one of the things that came out of this game is they are healthy enough. Their legs are underneath them enough that playing fast is an option. And when you play fast, Dak thinks fast. There is less of him looking and reading and going through one, two, and three checks. That's not his best thing. He's playing fast. And even in playing fast, one of my criticisms last couple of weeks that I thought he was still injured was he hardly ever ran. Last week, playing fast, the reads when he was supposed to run against man defenses and go get six yards were there, and he made them. So the Cowboys speeding up this offense and their ability to speed up this offense bodes very well for them, and I believe, honestly, bodes very poorly for Arizona. I guess when you put up 56 points the week prior, there's an expectation more scoring is coming the next week and over under of 51 and a half for Arizona and yeah. Dallas on Sunday. The highest total on the board for week number 17. So Brady, now that the Cowboys have clinched the NFC East, the focus mm -hmm. is on playoff positioning and how true yeah. of a contender are the Cowboys for a conference crown. Right now, Dallas tied for the third best odds to win the NFC championship at plus plus. 
490. When you look at those odds right there with the Packers as the favorites, the Bucks right behind them, and then Dallas tied with the Rams, do you think that's a pretty fair shakeout for what we will see in the NFC postseason? Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I never really believed in what Arizona was doing. I was sort of a let's wait and see it. They got so many good wins so early that I was like, everybody was, was like, okay, I, I guess we have to believe it. There's a lot of skill on that team. Uh, but uh, Hopkins being out is also a very big deal for that team. Uh, so yes, I, I like where the Cowboys are in relation to winning the NFC. And I think, to be honest with you, you know, they went through a slump. Mostly Dak went through a slump. But McCarthy's leadership, Dan Quinn's leadership, this team has been as on a steady keel. Nobody was pointing fingers at anybody else. The defense wasn't looking at the offense for four or five weeks saying, what the hell's up? They were complimenting each other going back and forth. And now it looks that they're very healthy. And remember, Demarcus Lawrence has only played three games. He looks like he shot out of a cannon. Randy Gregory has missed four or five games this year. He's fast and young and healthy. And then you always come back to Micah Parsons, Neville Gallimore. I mean, the list of depth on the Cowboys defense, to be honest with you, there are comparisons for me with this Cowboys defense, defense of the 1994 Cowboys. There is such depth mm. here and such athleticism here. And this group is really, really together. Now, Charles Haley was a wild card on that team with his personality, but a great player. They don't even have that. This group is just full of leaders. This group believes in each other. And it looks like Diggs is getting better as he ties ever some walls with 11 interceptions all time for the Cowboys. And Randy Gregory's playing great. And Micah Parsons has a chance to break the rookie sack record. All of those things are just attainable for this Cowboys team. And they're all looking ahead, looking positively in the right direction. It will not surprise me. This team has depth across the board. It will not surprise me if they end up in the Super Bowl. So like we said, the Cowboys have clinched a postseason berth. The Cardinals have also clinched a playoff bid as well, despite losing three straight games. So this game, Brady, not playoff stakes, but playoff positioning. And when you look at the Dallas Cowboys, although the Green Bay Packers are a heavy favorite to be the number one overall seed in the NFC at minus 700, the Cowboys still have a shot at plus 650, a five and a half point home favorite against the Cardinals this week ending the year against the Philadelphia Eagles. So, Brady, do you think there is an outside chance for Dallas to be the number one overall seed in the NFC postseason picture? Probably not. I don't think I don't think Green Bay is going to lose, uh, and that will have to happen. So I think the Cowboys' yeah. best shot is to get the number two seed, which is important to them. But, you know, we watched this for years, Ben. We always like when the playoffs come around, what team played hard through the end of the season? What team had games that were meaningful uh, to them through the end of the season and did they survive in terms of injuries so I, I really like this position that the cowboys are in they they scored 42 offensive points last week but the main thing was they were playing faster the defense was all over the place they continue to generate turnovers at a record pace for this dallas cowboy team and other than potential injuries or COVID, i don't really see anything slowing this down when i look at the arizona team if you're talking about this game you said they're already in the playoffs i think that might be a big deal that works actually against them there might be some more relaxation. We can't really improve our lot. Does James Conner play this week? He's, he's one of the biggest heart guys on that team. Ertz is as well, and they're both questionable. It just seems to me there are things lining up more and more and more as every day goes on this week, unless we get good news or bad news either way, that the Cowboys will cover that five and a half. The under is where I'm going definitely because that pass rush of the Cowboys is going to give him problems, and he flushes himself to the right, and he's not as great on the run as a guy like Mahomes. So, I like the Cowboys in the NFC, and I like Cowboys finishing this thing strong, but I think Green Bay holds on to the one seed. Yeah, Green Bay pretty tough because both teams are going to be competitive throughout these final two weeks. The Packers, a home favorite near a touchdown against the Vikings on Sunday night this week, 
ending with the Lions, and of course, Dallas, Arizona at home this week, and ending with the Philadelphia Eagles. Brady said it, the Cowboys, the way they are trending with how good the defense is playing, certainly a team to keep an eye on to win the NFC and to earn a visit to Super Bowl in Los Angeles. Brady Tinker, the host of a Cowboy Life podcast covering all things Dallas. Thank you so much for your time on this Wednesday. Good to see you, Ben. Happy New Year to you, buddy. Same to you. A very, very happy New Year to you and yours as well. Coming up on the other side of the break, we go to the ice. Some NHL talk with NHL.com's Pete Jensen. Stay with us here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. A lot of sports always here on the morning after, and that includes this Wednesday right here on TMA on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the Sports Grid Network. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. Now very pleased to welcome back onto the show. It's been a while, so we're very happy to have him back. It is NHL.com's Pete Jensen, the host of the Fantasy on Ice podcast, here to break things down for some puck talk on this Wednesday. Pete, great to have you back on the show. Great to be on with you and great to see games being played again, right? There were only two games all of last week combined. Uh, The holiday break was extended because of the COVID situation around the country in Canada. Uh, We all know about that right now with what's going on in the world. But good to see the puck drop again yesterday. Three games, um, they all were played. So now an even bigger slate for Wednesday and great to be back on with you. Yeah, three games last night, an even fuller slate on this Wednesday evening. Pete, a great game out in the Eastern Conference. The Florida Panthers off to a good start this year. The Blue Shirts, the New York Rangers also performing pretty well early on in this NHL campaign. Florida will be the favorite at home tonight. What are your impressions of these two teams so far in this NHL season? Well, you're going to see some big names coming back for both sides. I mean, a couple of Florida Panthers guys were on the COVID list. Um, you know, Mackenzie Weger, uh, Aaron Ekblad's one of the best defensemen in the league. You expect those guys to be back here. Alexander Barkov has been injured on and off lately, but he will most likely be back. And then for the Rangers, you have Panarin and Shesterkin coming back. And the Rangers are one of the mm-hmm. hottest starting teams in the whole league this season. And they also called up a couple of prospects, including defenseman Zach Jones, from the taxi squad and Hartford Jones has been playing really well in Hartford this season. One of their prized possessions uh, in the prospect pool. So, I mean, right now, these are two of the best teams in the NHL. They played earlier in the season and the Rangers held on for dear life at the end of the game uh, against Florida at the garden. So now they'll play in sunrise and we'll see what happens, but always cool to see uh, two of the very best get together on the ice. Yeah, Pete, when you look at the Florida Panthers right now, the fourth best odds to win the Stanley Cup at 10 to 1. You got to scroll down the board a little bit to find the New York Rangers at plus 2,400. So as we focus on New York here, do you think their outlook for the rest of the way make them a legitimate contender in the Eastern Conference in hopes of reaching a Stanley Cup series? There's a really good chance they'll make the playoffs. Um, The problem is their scoring depth, if you're matching up against 
Pittsburgh or, or, you know, the Washington Capitals or even the Carolina Hurricanes from that division, it gets really tough. I mean, I don't know if they can win a seven-game series against any of those three teams that I just mentioned. And not to mention the Islanders, who have some bounce-back appeal. If they were to get in over one of the teams I mentioned, I don't think the Rangers would want to play a team like that either um, with how that season series has gone in recent years under Barry Trotz. So, yeah, I think that uh, the you know the the situation is still up for debate about the Rangers, their staying power. Are they going to regress here? Do they rely on Shesterkin too much? I think they might regress here over the second half. I think they do rely on Shesterkin too much. And outside of those top guns like Panarin, Zibanejad, Adam Fox, Ryan Strom, other than those names, a couple other guys need to step up to the plate here and deliver for them to sustain what they've done so far. So to answer your question, I don't view them as a team that can come out of the Eastern Conference come playoff time just yet, but still a lot of time to prove themselves and still some room to make some moves at the deadline too if they're trying to accelerate things here. So the Rangers and the Panthers, a great game in the Sunshine State tonight. A great game out late on the West Coast in Anaheim. The Ducks, Pete, have been a surprise out there in the Pacific Division, taking on a divisional foe in the Vancouver Canucks, who, since hiring a new bench boss, have been pretty good. It should be a pretty tight game tonight between the Ducks and the Canucks. What do you make of the matchup and mainly the improvement we've seen out of Vancouver? I love the matchup. Uh, it's unfortunate that Trevor Zegras, one of the top rookies in the league, is on the COVID protocol list. So keep an eye on that for sure. Zegras has brought a lot of the fun back to Anaheim, a lot of the the skill back to Anaheim. So if he's not there, you know certainly Vancouver would have an upper hand considering they're six and zero under Bruce Boudreau. I know now there has been a pause in the season, so we'll see. I think both of these teams have a chance to come out hot. Um, one of them might come out flat, of course, uh, just because of the nature of coming back after so many days off right. with the holidays and stuff. But yeah, I think I'm looking at Brock Besser for the Vancouver Canucks and Thatcher Demko, the goalie. These guys have been outstanding since the coaching change. And uh, Demko has always been a workhorse goalie, but he's getting more support from this new system on the back end. Uh, which helps his chances in DFS every single night. And then, of course, Brock Besser has been heating up, and he was just underwhelming. He was always injured um, the past two years under Travis Green, and his lineup placement was always changing. But he's been solidified so far, either with JT Miller or Elias Pettersson, two really skilled centermen. So, yeah, I like Brock Besser in terms of riding the hot hand here. Pete Jensen from NHL.com, the host of the Fantasy on Ice podcast, joining us here on this Wednesday on the morning after, breaking down some of the games, and it's great to see the puck drop back in the NHL tonight. Another game in the Western Conference tonight, Pete, the St. Louis Blues taking on the Edmonton Oilers there in St. Louis, Missouri. What do you make of both of these teams as we've seen up until this point? I mean, I've been maybe most impressed by the St. Louis Blues of any team in the league this year with how many injuries mm -hmm. they've dealt with, uh, COVID situations with guys missing. It sounds like they're going to get a bunch of guys back from injuries here. Uh, Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo, both have been breakout players. David Perron, one of their most consistent players of the past few years, 
dating back to their Stanley Cup run in 2019. All three guys are coming back from injuries. You know, they still have, uh, you know, they have uh, Ivan Barbashev, another breakout player. Unfortunately, he's on the COVID list last we checked. So uh, keep an eye on that. But I think Edmonton has been reeling a little bit. They won their their final two games before the pause, but previously had lost six in a row. So interested to see who their goalie is going to be. Miko Koskinen's been poor lately. Stuart Skinner, very up and down. And Mike Smith could come back. The veteran could come back uh, for the first time in a while, maybe uh, in this game from injury. Uh, he's had a tough time dealing with that injury, but that would be a breath of fresh air for Edmonton if they could get Mike Smith back. But we don't know about that at the at this at this point in time. The Blues a slight favorite at home tonight, minus one thirty-seven on that money line. The over/under for the game between Edmonton and St. Louis six and a half goals. So, Pete, as we take a bigger picture approach to the NHL season right now, coming out of the Christmas break, back into the fold, back onto the ice for some action. You look at the Stanley Cup odds, and we have seen the teams at the top of this board pretty much be there since the preseason the Colorado Avalanche the favorites right now at plus 550 the two-time reigning Stanley Cup champs the Tampa Bay Lightning just behind at plus 800 tied for the second best odds with the Vegas Golden Knights are these the teams we can expect to contend all year long yeah I'm really interested to see what kind of uh, foot forward the Avalanche can put forth in terms of when they get to the playoffs because they've dealt with a ton of injuries they've dealt with um, COVID outbreaks multiple this season, like was the case last year, but they're still as strong as anybody. They had a stretch this season where they had three straight games with seven plus goals. So even with a lot of those guys missing, they're still a ridiculous high octane offense. The biggest storyline for the second half of the season, though, is Jack Eichel uh, eventually mm. coming back and debuting for the Golden Knights because that is a team, at least on paper, when you look at what they're going to be working with come playoff time and assuming Eichel is healthy, they may need to make a trade to fit him onto the roster. But I think Jack Eichel joining the Golden Knights will probably make them the, the favorite to win the cup, considering how close they've gotten it, you know, the past couple of years. And they've yeah. just fallen short because they couldn't score in some of those big moments. And Eichel's like a top 15 or 20 player in the whole league. So Amazing impact upcoming for Eichel joining uh, Golden Knights. A great spot to get ahead of that number right now. At plus 800, tied for the second best odds to hoist the Stanley Cup. So, Pete, you are the host of the Fantasy on Ice podcast. Who are a couple of standout players you have seen in the early going of this NHL season? Well, there have been a lot of breakout players. Uh, two guys for the Minnesota Wild come to mind. Uh, Marcus Foligno, Ryan Hartman. Uh, these are guys that we thought Minnesota would be a strong team, and we're going to get to see them show off uh, things in the Winter Classic on January 1st. We're excited about that. Mm -hmm. But just to see those two guys, Hartman and Foligno, uh, sustain their level of production and their breakouts has been outstanding. So, yeah, I'm looking at those two guys to see whether or not they can keep this thing going uh, heading into the Winter Classic. The Winter Classic just a couple of days away on New Year's Day. And Pete Jensen will have you locked and loaded for it on the Fantasy on Ice podcast covering the great sport of hockey for NHL.com. Pete, as always, thank you very much for your time here on this Wednesday and a very happy New Year to you and your family. 
Thanks. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And uh, there's also another guy on the other side of the Jack Eichel trade that's going to make his debut for Buffalo tonight, Alex Tuck. I'm really excited about that. So keep an eye out for Tuck and his impact maybe with the Sabres moving forward. Tuck back for Buffalo. Thank you so much, Pete, as always, for your expertise. Coming up next year on the morning after, we dive back into bowl season. Stay with us on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Three bowl games on this Wednesday in the most wonderful time of the year. Not only the holiday season, bowl season. And we break those down and some more the rest of the week right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, all across the SportsGrid network. I am Ben Stevens now. Delighted to join us on this show, Drew Martin Betts, the man we call DMB, here to break it down on this Wednesday for some of the bowl games you need to know today, tomorrow, and oh yeah, the college football playoff semifinals on Friday, New Year's Eve day as well. Drew, thank you for joining us on this Wednesday. Big 10, Ben, always a pleasure, my friend. You know, it is bowl week, college football aficionados out there rejoicing. What a great time to be alive. What a great time to be a sports better. What a great time to bet, to break down some of these games with a couple bets on them. Hopefully cash some of these tickets. Hey, but uh, overall, Ben, thanks for having me on, man, and happy new year to you and the crew. Drew, let's start with... What happened yesterday? The first of four bowl games that we saw on a Wednesday. Did you bet with your head or your heart and your very own Auburn Tigers in their game against Houston? Well, first off, I wish I would have just stayed off the game because my heart was telling me not to bet Auburn, actually. I mean, obviously, I love Auburn. I was hoping they would win. But, you know, Auburn and meaningless bowl games is definitely a bad bet on um it, it just yeah. you've kind of i've learned it over the years if they're in uh in the bcs hunt something of that nature auburn's bet on otherwise eh, more losses than wins when it comes to uh my my beloved auburn tigers but overall i thought it was a good game i i actually took the over i, w I bought into the harson talk going more up tempo in the bowl prep yeah. and of course uh it takes uh the jimmies and the joes on the field and tj finley did not look the part at the quarterback position and tank bigsby I, I i don't felt like they got him enough involved getting the ball to him so offensively auburn really struggled and houston was a great team let's not forget you know how many wins is the season 11 and 2 something of that nature so uh the aac is strong and the big 12 is really going to benefit here from the the teams that they are are adding in my opinion it might even be a stronger conference losing texas and oklahoma and adding the four teams that they are big 10 pen i don't know i think the big 12 is going to be fun in the future the big 12 should be very fun in the future there were some jokes yesterday because the sec is winless in this bowl season <laughs> oh and four yeah. straight up just one and three against the spread that maybe lincoln riley went to usc because he didn't want to play in the inferior sec conference we kid the southeastern conference one of the best in college football two of their teams playing in the college football playoff coming up in just a couple of days but drew let's focus on the games that we have on this wednesday the middle of the three the cheese it bowl between clemson and iowa state two preseason top 10 teams drew in that ap poll but i think both 
actually pretty motivated or excited to be in this matchup. Right now, Clemson, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under is 44. What's your approach to the lovely Cheez-It Bowl on this Wednesday afternoon? Sure, sure. Great name for a bowl game in Orlando, Florida. Should be nice. Uh, always check the weather, guys. Looks like about 78 degrees. Shouldn't be uh, too windy or rainy. And, of course, we get a low total here, Ben. 44, 44 and a half. Looks like at FanDuel. Seeing a slight favorite here towards Clemson. Minus two in the hook under that uh, all-important field goal number. I think this is going to be a good game. You know, it's kind of two disappointing teams. At the beginning of the season, if you would have told me, hey, these two teams are playing in, in the playoff, I, I wouldn't have been too too surprised by that. And, and, and first off, on the Iowa State side of things, you know, Matt Campbell, a good coach here, they were on the, the wrong side of some close games. Their season could have been a lot different. When you just kind of look down at their schedule at Oklahoma, one score loss at Texas Tech, uh, a field goal loss, you know, at West Virginia. That's always a tough road trip for some of these big 12 teams uh, within one score at Baylor. You know, that was an awesome Baylor team. Uh, they won the big 12. They were within two points of Baylor. So if those games go differently, who knows what the ceiling is for this Iowa State team and Clemson story. Um, heck, if you're a college football fan out there, you know their story. Um, just just really a disappointing season overall. However, they did turn it around towards the end. They got better quarterback yeah. play, four and one against the spread their last five games. The only thing that really worries me on the Clemson side here, and I actually think the wrong team's favored, uh, Ben, is they lose both coordinators. Ooh. Both coordinators jump ship for good jobs. Oklahoma and Tony Elliott goes to UVA that takes the Virginia head coaching job and we get uh, Brett Venables taking the job at Oklahoma. Um, that worries me, you know, play calling for Clemson, just that both coordinators are, are jumping ship. That is not a bet on in bowl season for me. I know Brees Hall's out the running back for Iowa State, Brock Purdy, an un underwhelming year. But I think Iowa State wins this one, Ben. I really do. I think the Big 12 shows well. We saw Texas Tech look good. Um, I think they carry it over, and I think Iowa State's the side here. Wow. Drew, we're on opposite sides for this game. I love Clemson laying two and a half <laughs> points, and the reason I do love the Tigers is because you mentioned it. They won five straight to end the year, covering in four of their last five, all as a favorite. The only time they did not cover a 40-7 to win over UConn when the Tigers were a 40-and-a-half-point favorite. The defense has remained supreme for Clemson. I do hear your point about the coordinators, but... I actually think the Tigers are going to use this game to kind of springboard back into the tepidy top of college football into 2022. So should be a great game between two teams, slightly disappointing, but looking for a great ending to their season. So Drew, as we move from today's slate to tomorrow's action, the first game up on Thursday, 11.30 a.m. Eastern time kick bright and early for you on your college football bowl season slate. We have a game between... Two great rivals and now battling for a mayo bath of one of their head coaches. In the Duke's Mayo Bowl, North Carolina taking on South Carolina. Pretty incredible that Shane Beamer in his first year there uh, in Columbia got South Carolina even to a bowl game, but they are now a nine-and-a-half-point dog against their foes in UNC. Drew, what's your approach to this game tomorrow in the Duke's Mayo Bowl? Another great bowl game with another great name. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm all on board for this one. And, uh, you know, we get SEC versus ACC. You know, normally that would be like, oh, man, an SEC t team getting near double digits in terms of uh, uh, that big of an underdog. I'm interested in it. But as, as we've seen this bowl season so far, Ben, 
it is uh, not necessarily a, a bet on to bet on these SEC teams. Um, Spencer Rattler isn't there yet for South Carolina. I'm with you. I think they are the side in terms of uh, just the way that they've played being surprising. But North Carolina at the same time, they can put up some points in bunches. Uh, I'm just not interested in laying near double digits with this North Carolina team because they really haven't um, showed as well to beat an SEC team here by double digits. I just think it's too big of an ask. Not a game I'm really looking forward to betting, but uh, I feel like it's going to the craps table. If you got to pick one, give me the dog. I'll take South Carolina plus nine and a half. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Gamecocks can respond in this game against UNC, North Carolina, a top 10 team entering the year in that preseason AP poll. And slightly disappointing for North Carolina, who was going to contend for the ACC out of the Coastal Division to take on the likes of Clemson. But that has not happened for North Carolina now in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. But it should be a ton of fun. And one thing just to know about the greatness of bowl season. Yes, we have the lines and the spreads for this game. Again, the Tar Heels, a nine and a half point favorite, the over under 58. Both head coaches have agreed. Mac Brown for North Carolina, Shane Beamer for South Carolina, that whoever wins and has the prototypical Gatorade bath, well, the Duke's Mayo Bowl, it's going to be filled with a mayonnaise-like substance. So they are going to be doused in mayonnaise whoever wins that game tomorrow in the duke's mayo bowl between unc and south carolina as we look through some of the other games on this thursday slate one to keep an eye on purdue in tennessee in the music city bowl the balls making a short trip to nashville from knoxville i look at the over under here 65 tennessee is a six and a half point favorite over the Boilermakers out of the Big Ten. But the over under 65, two very explosive offenses. Purdue, one of the best passing offenses in all of college football, the second best and most efficient in the Big Ten. They'll have a lot of their guys playing in this game as Aiden O'Connell, their star quarterback, coming back for a sixth year in West Lafayette. And of course, Tennessee, they were very dynamic this year under Josh Heupel in his first year there at Rocky Top in terms of coordinating that offense as well. So drew a couple of games tomorrow. And then of course, the attention turns to Friday, the college football playoff semifinals. Let's begin with the first semifinal at the Cotton Bowl, Alabama and Cincinnati. Drew, we've had this discussion all week long and really the last week and a half or so about which way we expected the line to move and when would it start moving well we know the when it started moving over the weekend actually in Cincy's favor down by just a hook from around 14 to now 13 and a half points in favor of Alabama so Drew I ask you where do you expect this line to end up about 48 hours from now when kickoff happens at the Cotton Bowl in the first CFP semi between Alabama and Cincinnati you know, Ben, I wouldn't be surprised if it ticks up uh, to, to minus 14, even a little bit higher. Of course, when we start talking about some of these uh, public, more public bet games being both playoff games and you get Alabama in there, I feel that uh, we'll, we'll start to see more tickets written. We'll start to see more money on the Alabama Crimson Tide. They know the name, you know, Cincinnati coming from the group of five. I feel like some people are going to have question marks about that. And about the game, I could see why Alabama would take some money, you know, Cincinnati coming in from a matchup standpoint, Ben, when you look at their cornerbacks, you know, you could make the argument in terms of combination of cornerbacks in the defensive backfield. It's the best in the country. And that's what you want going up against Alabama and their passing attack, the talent that they have on the outside, likely all going to be playing on Sundays in terms of their wide receiver core. So you want people that are going to be able to cover them. Cincinnati has that. I think the question is, can Cincinnati put pressure 
on or can, can Cincinnati, yes, defensively put pressure on Alabama yeah. and Bryce Bryce. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I really don't know. They're gonna have to get after it, you know, dial up some blitzes. We saw this Alabama offensive line look not all that great against Auburn in the Iron Bowl, but then in one week, turn it around in the SEC championship and block one of the best defensive fronts in the Georgia Bulldogs in in that game. So it really worries me in terms of can Cincinnati get pressure um, on the Alabama quarterback? And to tell you the truth, I don't know if they can. And if they can't, I think Alabama runs it up on them. However, if they can dial up these blitzes and, uh, and, and really pressure the quarterback, I think Cincinnati's really got a shot. I mean, the secondary for the Bearcats with Sauce Gardner on one side and Kobe Bryant, yes, his name is Kobe Bryant, on the yeah. other side who won the Jim Thorpe Award. That is going to be huge in containing that very vaunted Alabama passing attack that is one of the best in all the country. But a great secondary also stems from a great pass rush. Can they get to Bryce Young in the backfield? A great matchup point there, Drew. And we have seen the total tick down by a hook to 57. Quickly here, the total has just ticked up, as I have looked at it, to 45-and-a-half in the other semifinal matchup between Georgia and Michigan. Should be more of a defensive game, Drew. What do you expect there? Only a couple of seconds left. Yeah, yeah, sure, Ben. And and I think it's a defensive battle. I I, I really do. I think both defenses are the superior units. Uh, Michigan plus the plus the points. You know, when you start t- looking at the under, kind of correlates with the underdog. Big Ten versus SEC. Mm-hmm. We've seen the SEC kind of struggle so far. Give me the Big Ten, Big Ten, Ben. Maybe looking towards the Wolverines plus the points, my man. Way to endear yourself to the very host of this program here going into 2022 drew i love it drew martin bets dmb catch them all across the grid sunday nights with our guy joe lisi breaking things down in the nfl and college football as well drew thank you so much a very happy new year to you and yours happy new year ben and uh we'll see we'll see you in 2022 buddy we'll see you in 2022 more profits await we hope to end out 2021 with some profitability as well our best bet is up next SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It's a holiday week, right? That intermittent time between the Christmas holidays and the new year. We keep it fun here in the morning after, and it's happy hour. And we're about to round out happy hour here on TMA, right here on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the Sports Grid Network. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. But before we say farewell on this Wednesday, before we say goodbye, three more bowl games on the docket on this Wednesday. Some great action starting in just a couple of hours from now, not far away from our Midtown Manhattan studios. Up in the Bronx, the Pinstripe Bowl starts spreading the news. It's Maryland as a three and a half point favorite against Virginia Tech. The nightcap in the Alamo Bowl, number 14, Oregon, 16th ranked Oklahoma. The Sooners, a seven point favorite. Also a good one in the middle portion. In that early evening time slot, Clemson and Iowa State. That's the focus for our best bet. That's our focus for Bye Bye Bye.
And some movement from yesterday morning in Clemson's favor from one point now to two and a half points as the Tigers are the favorite in the Cheez-It Bowl against Iowa State. It's rare to see both of these teams here, two top 10 teams entering the year. How motivated will they be? I think we're about to get a good matchup, and I actually think Clemson might be the more motivated side. They responded at the end of this year. They won five straight games. They covered in four of those five. The only one they didn't when they won 40 to 7 against UConn as a 40 and a half point favorite. So Clemson's offense picked up and Clemson tied for the second best scoring defense all year long, allowing just over 16 points per game. I believe Clemson wants to make a statement and start building that positive momentum in Clemson, South Carolina for the 2022 college football season. So they never have to play in another cheese it bowl. They're more in the New Year's Six or in the college football playoff. Clemson laying two and a half points. That's the bye-bye-bye best bet for this Wednesday in a glorious bowl season in college football. The morning after, each and every weekday morning, right here on SportsGrid. 9 a.m. to noon Eastern time. I'm Ben Stevens. We'll talk tomorrow. Are you one of us? We've just got one question. Do you like games? We do. Do you like winning? What a coincidence. So do we. This